Welcome to the Messiah Podcast. We are so glad you tuned in today. Whether you are driving, doing chores, or taking a walk, we hope the Lord quiets your head and your heart to hear truth and be challenged through His Word. Without further ado, let's dive into the message. Um, we're going to look at Exodus chapter 20. What we're going to do is actually we're going to read um, the, the, the uh, passage today. It's from chapter 20, Exodus 20, verses 1 through 21. And you can find that on page 75 of your Bible, if you're really looking at a pew Bible. Um, and so as you're turning, I'm just going to start reading this. And so what I want to do is I'm going to read it. We're going to have 30 seconds to reflect on it. And then we're going to get into the sermon. Okay? So let's do that right now. And God spoke all these words. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall have, not make for yourself an image in the form of anything in heaven above or on the earth beneath or in the waters below. You shall not bow down to them or worship them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing the children for the sin of the parents to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing, thousands, showing love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commandments." You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses his name. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son, your daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth and the sea and all that is in them, but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the seventh day, Sabbath day and made it holy. Honor your father and your mother so that you may live long in the land your Lord your God is giving you. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his male or female servant, his ox or donkey or anything that belongs to your neighbor. And when the people saw the thunder and lightning and heard the, the trumpet and saw the mountain and smoke, they trembled with fear. They stayed at a distance and said to Moses, Speak to us yourself and we will listen, but do not have God speak to us or we will die. Moses said to the people, Do not be afraid. God has come to test you so that the fear of God will be with you to keep you from sinning. The people remained at a distance while Moses approached the thick darkness where God was. This is God's word. So take 30 seconds. Look at that. What stands out to you? What, what is the Holy Spirit in, like, highlighting to you? Go ahead, just take some time right now to look at that again. Okay. So in 2018, my wife and I had the opportunity to go to Israel. Incredible opportunity. Always encourage anyone who, if you get the chance, take it. It's awesome. And we went, did a lot of uh, different, saw a lot of different places. We were on a really tight schedule. We were visiting lots of different locations throughout the land of Israel. And one place we did actually get to visit was the Garden of Gethsemane. And this is a really special place. You can, you can see it. Uh, in most places we were there, we were just trying to fit as much into our trip as possible. But here we had the privilege of 30 full minutes in the garden. And it was, it was gorgeous. And it was full of these really old, gnarly-looking olive trees like the one that's on the screen. And on top of it being a beautiful outdoor sanctuary for prayer. This is the place that Jesus was praying on that night when he was betrayed in intense agony of spirit and just 
wrestling with father with his father like lord take this cup from me but not my will but what your will be done and it's this incredible place of prayer where this happened and he ultimately obediently submitted to walk the route of the cross and here i am where i was i'm in the place where jesus prayed and they kept saying in the tour if it didn't happen here then it happened a thousand feet from here you know it was it was right there and so when you have an opportunity to pray for 30 minutes in the Garden of Gethsemane. What do you pray about? And I didn't know. And I was just walking around, walking through those olive trees on those paths. And I just eventually made my way to the stone bench and sat down. I pulled out my phone and I started looking at Luther's small catechism. And if you're not familiar with this little book, it's a great little resource that talks about just some of the basic tenets and and core aspects of Christianity. I looked at the Ten Commandments, and Luther has a really, some great explanations of those commandments, and he just unpacks Exodus 20, basically, by, by, by doing that. And so I'm sitting there, and I just decided, you know what, Holy Spirit, I'm just going to open myself up to you, go on a, because con- confess my sin to you that feels appropriate in this place, just level with you, God. And so let me tell you, guys, if you ever slow down and meditate on the Ten Commandments or use, use the catechism like this, prepare yourself. Because the Holy Spirit is just going to do some work on your heart, man. And I was sitting there and praying. I'm reading a commandment like this. You shall not murder. What does this mean? We should fear and love God so that we do not hurt or harm our neighbor in his body, but help and support him in every physical need. So the first part I read and I think, well, good. I haven't killed anyone recently. I haven't gotten into any fisticuffs with anybody. But have I helped my neighbor in any physical need that he or she may have? No. And so I start praying, God, I know there's opportunities, Holy Spirit's reminding me of things that I could have been doing, or like, okay, you could have responded to that point, and I'm like, I know. And so I'm repenting, I'm like, God, forgive me, help me to be more uh, attentive to these things, these sins of uh, omission. I'm not doing these things that you are inviting me to do. And so, okay, I move on from that one, I move on to the next uh, commandment. You shall not commit adultery. What does this mean? We should fear and love God so that we lead a sexually pure and decent life in what we say and do, and husband and wife love and honor each other. Once again, glad to say, hadn't cheated on my wife. But if I looked at that second part, had I really honored and loved her? Had I really cherished her? Had I really been showing her that she was the most important thing? most important person in my life or was ministry or was there some aspect something else that was distracting and taking that away and and pulling me away from that and so i i said god forgive me help me to, to show nissa that i love her that i cherish her that she is truly the most important person in my life and on and on it would go like this and you have to understand i didn't go into this time of prayer thinking to really uncover a lot but the Holy Spirit was just doing this deep dive into my soul, and he says, there's some stuff I want you to bring to my, to my attention. I want you to know about these things. And it was kind of like, you know, sitting in your car, you're vacuuming out your car maybe, and it's otherwise pristine. You look under your driver's seat, and there's just this pile of old, stale French fries. You're like, when is the last time I went to McDonald's? You're like, I had no idea how, how long have these been here. 
And that's what the law does. The law is like a mirror. It shows you how, what, what's really going on, what's really happening under the hood. Because you can feel like you're pretty well to get put together. You got your nice sweater on from American Tall. You got some nice cool looking jeans on. And you realize, oh crap, my, my fly's down. It's been down for the past six hours, you know. And that's what the law does. You feel really good about yourself. And then you look at this text from Exodus 20 and you're like, oh, well maybe not. But then again... I find there are two kinds of people when they interact with the law of God. There are the folks who look at the law of God, and they're kind of like the, the rich young man in the, in the Gospels. And we can, we can respond like this. You know that story, rich young man, he comes to Jesus, he says, Jesus, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus kind of rattles off the Ten Commandments basically to him. He says, I've done all these things since my youth. What more do I lack? You know, okay, come on, dude, really? Um, but you look at him, and, and we, we can respond in the same way. I mean, sometimes, some of us, we went to church every Sunday growing up. We were a good kid. Turned our homework in on time. We ate our vegetables. We, we, do, we obey the law of God best as we can, best as we can make sense of so far. You think we're a pretty decent person. We're involved here. We, we plug in here. We do Bible study. We honor our parents. We don't murder. We don't covet. And even if you're not a religious person, you can look at the law of God and you say, like, I mean, I, this makes sense. I mean, this seems just kind of like the basic building blocks for a, a functioning society. It, I mean, I'm, and I consider myself to be a pretty good person. I don't, what am I lacking, really? But then there are those of us who look at Exodus 20, and we just read, and it's just crushing. It's on a spectrum a little bit. Those of us who look at the, the passage from Exodus 20 we read, and maybe you read that passage of honor the Sabbath day, and you think to yourself, well, I wasn't in church last week. Or I didn't volunteer. Or I said no to doing this Bible study. And the feeling of more and the feeling of I ought to do this is just really a bother to you and it really weighs you down and it seems like no matter what more you add to your schedule or more that you add into your list of good works, it just doesn't seem to be enough quite. And then there are those of us in this group that look at these commandments and immediately we're filled with guilt and shame. Because we look at that and we see exactly where we've fallen short. You don't have to wonder. It'd be sexual sin, theft, an anger problem, an addiction. Maybe it's something that happened decades ago, but it comes right up to your face, just like it happened yesterday. Maybe it happened yesterday. But for you, you just feel awful. And this exercise of reading Exodus, of looking at these commands, it is probably one of the least pleasant things you did this morning. And where you thought, see, this is why I'm I'm not even really qualified to be a Christian. This is why I can't be a Christian. This is why I shouldn't even be here in this room. And it sounds like these two groups of people are worlds apart. There's a person who thinks, yeah, I got it all together. I'm a pretty good person. The person who's like, I am a, I'm no good. 
But actually, they are one and the same. Because these groups are operating by the same thing, and their motivation is fear. Specifically, it is a fear of not being accepted, not being welcomed, not being embraced and loved by God. Because the line of thinking is, if I obey, then I will be accepted. And some of us think we've crossed the line into being good enough. And we think, I'm going to make it to heaven. I feel pretty good about my list of achievements over here. And then the others of us are like, I know I'm not going to get into heaven. I'm terrified of what's going to happen when I die. Not to mention what's going to happen when God punishes me for the things that I've done in the here and now. But would you like to hear some good news? This isn't how Christianity works. This isn't how God works. Look with me again back at Exodus chapter 20. The first two verses. And God spoke all these words saying... I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. This is how the chapter starts. It starts with grace. It starts with redemption. It starts with salvation. It does not say, I will be your God and your deliverer and your redeemer if you obey my commandments. No, he says, I am the Lord your God. I rescued you from the land of Egypt. I rescued you from the house of slavery. And why did God do that? We've been walking with the life of Moses for a little while now. Was it because of Israel's stellar behavior up until this point? No. Was it because of their strength as a nation or their faithful worship of him as the one true God over the past few centuries? Can't say it was that. Deuteronomy chapter 7 says this, For you are a people holy to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you to be a people for his treasured possession out of all the peoples who are on the face of the earth. It was not because you were more in number than any other people that the Lord set his love on you and chose you. For you were the fewest of all peoples. But it is because the Lord loves you and is keeping the oath that he swore to your fathers that the Lord has brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you from the house of slavery, from the hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. Look at what that's saying. Israel's identity as God's people was not dependent on them. They were God's people because he loved them, because he chose them, not because of anything they'd merited to get it, but because he just is like, I want Israel. That's why they were his people. And why does this matter? Because this is exactly the case for you. Even greater than being delivered from slavery, Jesus has redeemed you, purchased and won you from all sins, from death and the power of the devil, not with gold or silver, but with his holy precious blood, with his innocent suffering and death, that you might be his own and live under him in everlasting righteousness, innocence, and blessedness. That is what he has done for you. And it's not, what was the timeline on that? May you, may you ask, and you may. And the, ask, the, the timeline is Romans chapter 5, verses 6 through 8. It says, For while we were still weak, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare to even die. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. 
while we were still sinners, before you were a Christian, before you'd done anything that was remotely pleasing to God, that is when God loved you. That is when God looked at you and said, I want you. Don't you see? The God of Christianity does not operate like the world and other religions where you have to strive and struggle to stand out and define yourself, where your position and your worth is always in flux. You never really know where you stand. The gift of the gospel and the basic line of thinking is that not, it's not that if I obey, I'll be accepted by God. It is this. Since I am accepted by God, Therefore, I will obey, and I'll obey with joy. Because God doesn't say, I, am, I will be the Lord your God who redeems you if. No, he says, I am the Lord your God who redeems you, who calls you by name. You are mine. So to believe in the gospel and the saving work of Jesus is to become God's own child. And Jesus says, since we are his This is what he says. I give them eternal life and they will never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. The devil can't do that. Your past can't do it. Your mistakes, present, future, can't do it. You're in the Father's hand. There's nothing more secure than that. And this is how the keeping the law of God actually can become pretty fun. Because when we operate out of, the law, out of fear of whether we're accepted or not, I mean, this is, this is a nightmare. But when you place your faith and trust in Jesus and what he's done for you, you know, beyond a shadow of a doubt, you don't have to do anything to earn a, a salvation that's already been freely given. That's when God's way of th- doing things becomes a joy instead of a burden because you just realize, like, oh my goodness, like this is just how life is meant to be lived. This is the fullness of life that I can live. This, the, the gospel leads to a way of saying, I don't have to obey. I get to. I get to have a life, lifelong fulfilling marriage. I get to have a joyful parenting experience. I get to have a thriving neighborhood and community. I get to participate in sustainable life work rhythms. I get to experience restoration and peace in our cities by caring for the welfare of my neighbors. And most of all, I get to have a reproducing, life-giving faith in the God who himself sustains and makes it all possible. And so my hope for you today is this. Number one, I just want you to walk out these doors today just knowing how crazy in love God is with you. That he actually wants you. That he loves you and desires you and is really stinking proud of you. You're enough. That's what I want you to know. And the second thing is this. Because of that, I want you to go out the doors today ready for the love of God just to spill out of you. I want you to to love the people that are in your circles of influence. I hope you can think of just one person today, one person this week, who just like, they need love. They need someone to just show them intentionally that that they care. And I don't mean like buying someone Starbucks behind you in in the drive-thru line. Like, that's nice. Very nice. But if you could put a face and a name and a story... 
love that person. Maybe it's your spouse. Maybe it's your kids. Maybe it's your friend. Maybe it's your coworker. Someone here at this church. Someone not here. Somebody. I think we can think of someone that we can love and show that we can obey these commands. If it's, if it's the sixth commandment, the positive is to love and cherish your, your spouse. If it's the, the, the fifth commandment of do not murder, that means to, to honor life and, and raise it up and value the people who are around you and to bless them in, in every physical need that they may have. If it's, the, if it's the seventh commandment, don't steal, then the positive is like, how can I in, increase that person's financial well-being and their financial thriving? How can I do that for them? If that is what God is leading you to do, I just ask that you do it. And have fun with it. Because that's what we get to have, fun. When we know who we are and whose we are and that we are loved. Let me pray about that with you guys. God, thank you that you love us, that you embrace us, that we are your own children, that you are, we are placed into your hand and no one can snatch us away from that. Thank you that you are our redeemer, that you are our deliverer. Thank you, Jesus, for your sacrifice on the cross, for paying for our debt and making us making it possible for us to be your own children, not because we've strived and earned our way into it, but because you have chosen us and said, I want you. Thank you, God, that you love us. Help us to keep these commands. Help us to look at Exodus 20, not uh, in fear or in dread, but in, in joy and saying, how can I keep these in a way that is honoring to you and loving toward my neighbor? Because when it comes down to it, the main two things are love God and love neighbor. Help us to do those things well and to do them faithfully and to do them with joy. Thank you, Jesus, for hearing us. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you for tuning in today. We hope you are challenged and encouraged to walk in truth in your everyday. Please share with friends and family, and we can't wait to have you next time on the Messiah Podcast.